0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get going, I want to take a moment to tell you about some exciting news for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans. With coverage from reporters Todd Millis and Andy Bueller, me, Dan Dickow, SB Live's recruiting expert, this SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals out from the deep corner of the great. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I gotta salute you, man. Like I've been watching you since I was in high school, trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. Usually, we've got a conversation with an expert in the field of sports. Today, for our release, thought we'd do something different. A number of times uh, when I'm doing broadcasts and talking with coaches or I'm at youth basketball events... um, I'm asked a number of different questions about the game of basketball, uh, be it memories, experiences, be it uh, thoughts on situations in a game or the differences between different levels. And so today's episode, I thought I would take three or four questions that I'm routinely asked and kind of break it down and, and give it a little bit of uh my experiences or my memories or my thoughts on the particular question. So here we go. Question one, what is the biggest difference in the college game and the pro game? Well, that's actually a a really interesting one. It's a lot more loaded question, uh, I think, than the average fan really understands, Uh, and realizes that there is a huge difference. Uh, I think when you look at the college game, um, it has become more of a quote-unquote European team game uh, over the last 10, 12 years, Uh, regardless of level. If you have the best talent, more times than not, you're going to win. If you've got great coaching, if you've got uh, kind of a great culture of playing hard and playing together, uh, you you can kind of cover up a lot of the... Potential talent uh, gaps that there may be. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, talent is going to win a lot of games. But when you look at the college game, you know, I I think many times uh, the game uh, kind of is really kind of focused in a little bit more so on the defensive end uh, as far as, um, you know, gearing to stop the opponent and uh, there will be many times where you'll watch certain college coaches and certain teams um, they're not allowing their players to play with a lot of freedom they're looking over their shoulder um, there's a lot of kind of uh, controlling coaches uh, at the college level now I think that's uh, th- that has kind of gone away to a certain extent over the last, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15 years or so. And I think that's allowing players at the college level to play with a little more freedom than they did in years past. Um, And I think some of that freedom also comes with what I mentioned, uh, the college game kind of being played in more of a European style, meaning the floor is more spaced. uh, There's a lot more pick and roll actions than there was years ago. Uh, Your bigs, um, at least most programs, most teams, your foreman is going to be able to step out uh, and, and shoot a little bit. Hopefully, they can make a decision with the ball, maybe a dribble handoff action, or understand maybe when to fake the handoff and keep it, or they can put the ball on the deck in a face up situation and create something for themselves or collapse the defense a little bit. Uh, you're really not seeing a lot of. Back to the basket fives in the college game. I think that's why uh, Gonzaga has been uh, pretty dominant over the last, you know, recent stretch because they still find guys who have a unique knack to score in the low post um, with great footwork, with great timing of their uh, duck ins from the weak side, with great fundamentals of how they seal the defender um, to be able to create opportunities for themselves. Uh, on that low block, the other one that really stood out to me this year was Loyola Chicago big man Cameron Kretwig. Um, he was a kind of a really throwback player. I mean, he, he he great on the low block. He understood how to to seal to create angles, but then he was also really good at that high post and, and making plays for each other uh, for for his teammates. I thought he was unique. But those are some of the things I see at the college game. Then when you transition to the NBA game, you know there's so many talented players at the college level that people say oh he's a pro he's a first round pick no not necessarily because the pro game is so different um the pro game is just unbelievably different it's played at such a fast pace and a fast speed uh that your skill level even very skilled players at the college level many times not all but many times struggle to be able to execute that high-level skill that they have at the professional level because of the size, the length, the athleticism, players, and you combine all those things, and it creates a game with such speed. I think when you look at the NBA and how they rosters are formed, um, because of the salary cap, you're always looking to to get, uh, again, with any level. You're looking to get as much talent as you can but with the salary cap, you've got to tinker with things and, and make sure that the money aspect fits into it. Um, most great teams are going to have three all-star caliber type players um, that are going to be the, the focal points uh, of everything that you do. Um, but then if, if you're not one of those guys, uh, for the most part, you've got to be pretty good at, at many things, but you've got to be great at a trait or a skill that allows you to stand out. Uh, For some guys, that's the ability to rebound the basketball. For some guys, that's the ability um, to to play defense um, in multiple positions, be it maybe you're a a terrific perimeter defender who can guard one through three. Um, You've got great length. You've got great anticipation. Um, For some guys, it's the ability to, to knock down shots from the perimeter, um And you, you look at you look at a guy like Duncan Robinson. Nobody was thinking he was uh, when he was in high school that he was going to be a division one player. He started a division three school uh, in in Massachusetts. Um, and then he transferred to, to Michigan. And even then, when he was at Michigan, um, you know, he showed flashes of being a tremendous shooter somebody that you know was a great player but um you know the average fan wouldn't have said hey you know what this guy is going to be a great pro and not only is he going to be a great pro but he's going to be a pro that's going to have an impact on on a really good team in miami that goes the nba finals um so he had a a skill that he is absolutely uh fine-tuned and excelled at and made that uh kind of his ticket so to speak um so those are a couple things that are, are really different uh, about the NBA game versus the college game. You know, one thing that I would like to see college to the NBA game uh, to create a little bit more similarities between the two. And, and I definitely think there still needs to be and, and there will always be uh, a difference between the two and styles of play to a certain extent, um, uh, as well as kind of just the, the overall feel of the game. Um, college is always going to be more of a, of a team-type oriented um, game, in my opinion, as opposed to the pros where, you know, the, the superstars carry the game. Uh, the superstars carry an organization. But the similarities that I would like to see trend over and become similar are I, I'd like college at some point to get to a 24-second shot clock. I would like it to be consistent, consistent, uh, college to the nba now i don't think that's ever going to happen but i'd like to see that happen um you know with the one thing that will kind of impact that though is because college players from top of the roster bottom of the roster aren't as skilled as nba players um i don't think you would see as crisp a game um as what you see now uh because there's going to be a lot more rush possessions if you watch a college basketball game um You know, anytime that shot clock gets under about eight, uh, it's kind of a freak out zone. (laughs) You know, they quickly throw the ball back to maybe their best player um, and try to get into a pick and roll in some form or fashion, or they just kind of get hurried and, and guys get flustered and take a bad shot, where if you see that many times in the NBA, you know, you got eight seconds on the shot clock, you still got time to get into one or two more actions. Um, before you get a good shot up. You'll see ball swing, ball swing, uh, dribble attack, kick to an open shooter um, in that last eight seconds of the clock. So there's a lot, uh, there, there's a big difference there. Um, I would like to see the, uh, the in in the college game, I would like to see if you call a timeout, you can advance the ball into the front court. Yeah, you might take away, you know, a couple um, You know, very memorable plays like Bryce Drew had for Valparaiso in the mid-90s uh, where he throw a three-quarter court baseball pass and have an action catch and shoot. Um, but those are so far, few and far in between. Um, I think if you were to allow in advance of the ball, you'd really see the creativity of some of these college coaches um, in, in the, the, the sets that they would draw up. Um, off of sideline out of bounds, place uh, to end the game and give them, give their team maybe a more uh, realistic shot to win a game, especially, you know, after maybe coming up with a great defensive stop, giving a team a, a legit chance to tie or win the game. Have you ever had a pair of sunglasses that you've lost and become frustrated you lost them that were scratched or just quite frankly didn't fit very well. Well, look no more. Canon sunglasses are the best. I repeat, the best. You will not be disappointed in Canon sunglasses. They are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made to be clearer, lighter and stronger. There are also Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So you add the lenses and the frames to create a powerful sunglass combo. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K A E N O N C A. ST15 Canon clearly better So there's those are a couple things that that I see the difference in the two um you know a couple things when when I'm kind of looking at the landscape of of basketball uh youth basketball now in particular in AAU as well as uh high school basketball you know, it's been uh, quite some time since since I played AAU basketball, but I've been around it in, in coaching teams. I've been around it in, in running some tournaments. Uh, I follow it very closely. Um, you know, it's so very funny to me because I think the best high school coaches and the best AAU coaches have a strong understanding of what the other can and should and needs to provide for that prospective student athlete Um, because they, they are different, but they both provide a ton of value and opportunity for the players. But I think AAU in in high school coaches um, need to work together as, as, best as possible um, to provide a platform and an opportunity um, for a student athlete to, to be seen or put them in a position where maybe they have a chance to play at the next level in college, whether it's NAIA, Division 3, Division 2, Division 1, whatever it may be. Um, I, I think the best coaches in each of those realms um, understand the value that each uh, side brings to the table for kids. In saying that, you know, I love the fact. I love the states that have a shot clock in high school. Uh, the ones that don't, I really wish they would get with the times. Uh, I think that's that's very necessary and needed to have a shot clock. I remember uh, there was a high school in Vancouver, Washington, where I was growing up, and there was a there was a program uh, that was uh, very well known especially when it came to the playoffs if you were down four they were going to go to four corners and at the time there was no shot clock and there really wasn't much you could do to speed them up because they practiced it over and over again so when they got in into the playoff situation a playoff setting where uh, they had the lead they were just going to hold on to the ball and, and you tried to do whatever you could to get them out of it you just couldn't do it um and so it's great to see that there is high school uh, basketball with shot clocks now uh and i think that needs to be consistent across the board um you know and looking at you know aau differences between high school um you know the 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 settings and and the expectations or unrealistic expectations um of parents and or coaches, myself included, of, of the, the officials uh, in being able to truly understand the game and call the game as it should be played. Um, it's unique because there's so much money in the AAU world in running events, running tournaments, that, that uh, you're trying to get as many games in in a two, three-day span in as you can in limited facilities. And a lot of what happens is... Well, you got to keep the game on time so we don't end up having fouls being called. And the officials uh, aren't being told not to call fouls, but in the back of their mind, they know that the game, next game is supposed to start on time. And if we, we get pushed back behind the day early, you know, we're, we're never going to catch up. And it's going to be a longer day and it's, it's not going to be good. So um, that's something that is it would be a lot harder um, to address and or correct. Uh, or figure out at the A.A.U. Um, in how to keep get it to feel and be more like a true game, and then there's value from the officials, to the parents, to the coaches, to the players, to make it um, more kind of the feeling of, of value of a high school game. I think that can be missed at times because there are so many tournaments, there's so many games. Uh, it just comes at you one after another. And that's something that I've heard from a number of, of college coaches over the years when I ask them about hey, what's, what, what approach do you like to see from, from AEU teams when you're evaluating? And how does that differ from when you're watching um, prospects with their high school teams and high school coaches? One of the biggest things they always that, that many of them have said to me is they play too many games. Um, they, they lose a game at 9 a.m. Eh, no big deal, I got another game at noon. And then they're going to have another game at four o'clock later in the afternoon, uh, and so it gets to be where the winning and the valuing of a win is not um, perceived as maybe as important to those players as it should be because they've got another game. Where the coaches, you know, that are evaluating them, they want to see, uh, you know, a little bit of fire and a little bit of excitement or a little bit of more passion. Uh, to play the game to win as opposed to just play the game to play the game because it's an AAU game. So I uh, know I bounced around on a few topics with that, but, uh, I, I again, I think the best AAU and the best high school coaches understand that each side has value and, and can provide a tremendous role um, for kids in that setting. Uh, one other thing with, with youth basketball that, you know, has always been a pet peeve of mine, and I've said it, um on, on different podcasts that, that others have asked me to join, or I've said it on social media many times, um, you know, is youth basketball zone defense is the absolute worst thing that could happen to a young basketball player. Uh, you should be taught the fundamentals defensively and taught the challenge of guarding your person one-on-one and, Uh, understanding if he's got the ball or she's got the ball i want to force that ball handler in this direction or if i'm not guarding the ball i'm over here I need to be positioned here where I'm helping a teammate or if I'm being screened I need to be positioned here so I can get through the screen or if I'm guarding the screener I need to be positioned here so that I can help get my teammates back into the correct position too many times you know I'll be at an event and I'll see a third fourth fifth grade team and they're playing zone and it just frustrates the living heck out of me because I I, I feel so bad for these kids because they're being taught that a win at the age of third or fourth or fifth grade and getting a trophy at the end of the tournament uh is more important uh than learning how to play the right way and the right way uh at a young age is 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 being taught the fundamentals and defensively it's the fundamentals of guarding your man once you get to high school all bets are off um 15 16 17 18 years old Yes, your high school coach should have the ability to implement any defense that he wants or she wants, being man-to-man, being a zone, a trapping defense, whatever it may be. But if you're not taught the fundamentals of solid man-to-man defense, nothing that you're going to be tried to be held accountable to execute defensively will be easy later on in your career. It just won't. You can, you can, it's so unbelievably difficult to go from playing zone defense to man. It's so much easier to go from man to zone. If you know the principles of man defense, how to be in help side, how to rotate, uh, how to guard screens, how to get through screens, uh, guarding screeners, etc. That's a big, big pet peeve of mine that just frustrates the heck out of me to no end, which you could probably tell. The other thing at the youth level that I think is so unbelievably important um, you know, there's lots of different offenses of videos out there that you can find or or diagrams and notebooks and and there's a lot of really good stuff. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, for young kids in a basketball practice and in a setting where they are in a individual skill workout or in a team skill workout, the end of the day, it comes down to dribbling, passing, shooting, And footwork That's it Because if you can't dribble it Pass it You can't run any offense If you don't have footwork You're going to get called for a travel Or you should get called for a travel On every single possession If you can't shoot it (laughs) How are you going to score? It sounds so unbelievably simple And it really is Dribbling, passing, shooting, footwork those four things should be included in every single youth basketball practice and youth basketball skill workout. And unfortunately, uh, it's not. And I think the, the, the coaches that understand that, they're giving their kids a huge advantage and a leg up. If you were just, say you have two hours each week, one hour practice on a Monday, one hour practice on a, on a Wednesday, for example. If you spent 90 of those 120 minutes just working on those four things. Dribbling, passing, shooting, and footwork. Your players will improve rapidly. And it won't matter what offense that you're trying to implement if you haven't worked on those four other things because they'll never be able to execute it uh, without turning it over uh, or, or without you know giving it such an advantage to the opponent that, it, that they'll never have a chance to win. Those are a couple things that have really kind of jumped out at me um, you know, philosophy wise or just thought process wise that I've been asked. Um, you know, I've always, I've also been asked, you know, what are some of my favorite memories, uh, or best players that I've played against, um, during my career? Uh, there, there's a couple of them. I mean, I go back to, you know, when I'm, if I were to talk high school basketball, both regular season and, or, you know, summer leagues in, in AAU, um, couple of things that guys that would jump out just right away um, Quincy Wilder from from Decatur high school um, just outside of the Tacoma area was unbelievably good um, played against um, you know a lot of really good players at Nike all American camp when I when I was about to be a senior in high school um, you know Baron Davis was one. Uh, Ron Artest, who's now Metal World Peace, Elton Brand, um, to, to name a couple. Back at that camp, at the college level, uh, when I was at the University of Washington, a couple of really good players had to go up against. Um, Baron Davis was at UCLA at Arizona. Jason Terry, Michael Dickerson, Mike Bibby; those guys were unbelievably difficult to go against. Uh, and then when you get to the pros, those are the ones that you know uh, some of the some of the names that just stand out. That when people ask me, "Hey, did you play against them? did you play against them? yes, uh played it against them? What'd you think well you know the the first thing is is you know these guys were so unbelievably gifted that it was uh it was it was a unbelievably fun challenge, a challenge that I had to be prepared for and ready for every single day, and I really had to go after it and attack that challenge, but a couple of guys that really stood out as being incredibly difficult to guard or just a challenge, I guess would be. Um, first one would be Tony Parker uh, Unbelievably quick uh, Very good with the ball He was right hand dominant But no matter How you read Situations Whether you read him in transition Or you were kind of uh, Picking up what they were doing In different some of their different transition sets Or their half court sets He's gonna get right because he's that good and he's that quick, but he was also so unbelievably smart he was really patient he would set you up um kind of get you just leaning just enough off balance boom, go the other way where where you were kind of really at a disadvantage uh another one would be Steve Nash he had so much uh control of the basketball he had so much. Uh, confidence with the basketball in his hands he had so much freedom when he had the basketball in his hands Uh, and you pair that on top of his uh, ability to shoot it and then his a passing ability and and the weapons that he had around him Um, he he was uh, fun to play against but he was tough Uh, Allen Iverson was a one another one that was unbelievably tough as you can imagine one of the best players of all time He was just relentless. I mean, your scouting report, you might know or have a good idea of what he was looking to do or what he was going to do or the sets that they were going to run for him. Um, But it really didn't matter because he was always, always in attack mode. Uh, He was going downhill at you every single time. His whole thought process, from what I could tell, was I'm going to get you on your heels, backpedaling, and then I'm going to just absolutely attack. Uh, And he would do that all game long possession after possession uh so those are just a couple uh quick hitting questions that that i get quite frequently um you know and i thought i'd share them here on the iso today so a few of the things my thoughts on on basketball at the college the nba and and then the youth level with aau in, in high school as well as a couple memories of players from my time, uh, at the, in the NBA. So look forward to a couple more of these episodes where kind of break it down with some memories and and share some thoughts, some ideas. Uh, so for the ISO, Dan Dickow here signing off for the ISO and SB live sports.